0: Hello and welcome to Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with teacher Brian Johnston. Thanks for tuning in. It's great to have you with us. Today we have another talk in this series of programs called Hope for Humanity. And if you've been following the talks, you'll know that Brian brings us Bible scriptures and illustrations which help to explain the marvellous message of hope for the world that is contained in the Bible. So, I hope you're enjoying the talks, if you're following, and if you have any questions or comments for Brian as we go along, he'll be pleased to help you. Today, the Pope, a Professor and Pooh Bear feature in Brian's talk, but uh, not necessarily in that order. So, let's meet them now with Brian. Thanks, John.
1: One of the oldest jokes from our earliest years at school is where some bright spark in the class shouts how absent when the teacher is calling out the names from the register in order to check on attendance. Each child calls out present when his or her name is mentioned, except for the one who jokingly calls out absent. Why is it funny? Simply because it's a denial of someone's presence, which by itself proves that the exact opposite is true. A version of the same thing is found in the classic children's story about a bear called Winnie the Pooh. I'm encouraged to think this is a story known outside the United Kingdom where I'm based because as I travel to far-flung parts of the world, I see huge, cuddly toy Winnie-the-Pooh bears for sale by the roadside, even in developing countries. So here goes. Winnie-the-Pooh goes to visit his friend Rabbit. Rabbit, you may guess, is a rabbit, simply called Rabbit. Winnie-the-Pooh calls into the hole in order to see if Rabbit is at home. Is anybody at home? At first there's no answer. So Winnie the Pooh calls again. What I said was, is anybody at home? This time from within the hole comes Rabbit's voice saying, no. Bother, says Winnie the Pooh. Isn't there anybody here at all? Again Rabbit, who doesn't want visitors, answers, nobody. A puzzled Winnie the Pooh bear scratches his head. ''Must be somebody there, because somebody must have said nobody.'' Quite so. The logic is simple, but inescapable. But we adults don't fall for silly things like that, do we? Well, er, quite readily, it turns out. It's common enough to hear someone say these days, ''There's no such thing as absolute truth.'' And when you ask, ''Are you sure?'' Often the answer is, ''Absolutely.'' Do you see what they've done? they've declared they are absolutely sure that no one can be absolutely sure about anything, which thing is a contradiction of itself. Even Winnie the Pooh could see there was something wrong with that. This way of denying absolutes serves only to prove the opposite. Again, let me say this, the denial of absolutes, whether it be absolute morality or absolute truth, is a necessary part of any attempt to deny the existence of God. Atheism has been described as the dogmatic denial of God. According to his daughter, Svetlana, as Stalin lay dying, plagued with terrifying hallucinations, he suddenly sat halfway up in bed, clenched his fist towards the heavens once more, and then fell back upon his pillow and was dead. But you've got to ask, who was he shaking his fist at? The irony of his life is that at one time Joseph Stalin had been a seminary student, preparing for the ministry before making a decisive break from his belief in God. This dramatic and complete reversal of conviction resulted in his hatred for all religion. The name Stalin, which means steel, wasn't his real name, but was a description of his character given to him by his contemporaries certainly that one last gesture of a clenched fist toward God tragically seems to show that his heart was as cold and hard as steel. It's very far from comical, but of course as we think of a man shaking his fist at God while at the same time denying God's existence, we can't help but be reminded again of Winnie the Pooh and Rabbit in their story which we shared earlier. One day, On a university campus in Manila, in the Philippines, a student interrupted a preacher by shouting out from the back of the hall, everything in life is meaningless. The preacher was alert and at once took up the challenge. Let's analyse what you just said, he shouted back. I assume you believe your statement is meaningful. If so, then everything is not meaningless, like you just claimed. But on the other hand, if everything is meaningless, like you said then what you just said was meaningless too. So in effect you said nothing. You can sit down. I'm pleased to say there was a sequel to that exchange in which the young heckler was led to receive Jesus Christ as his personal saviour through faith. In the Bible book, Ecclesiastes, the author explores this same claim that everything is meaningless or all is vanity. So it's a claim that's been around for a long time. It's still around because if... As some who should know better claim today, if the universe was not in fact created by God, but somehow created itself, then ultimately there's no meaning to life, and all is indeed vanity. We either have God, absolute moral values, universal truth, and real meaning, or none of these things. There's nothing new in this. The Apostle Paul, when visiting Athens, that ancient centre of learning, came across so-called Epicurean philosophers, with whom he went head to head in debate. Epicurus himself followed the thinking of Democritus, who invented the theory of atoms. To Democritus, atoms and what he called the void were all that existed. Atoms came pouring through the void, forming stars and ultimately ourselves, so that he could claim all that exists is the result of mindless processes. Epicurus used this thinking to attack what he saw as a superstitious notion of divine intervention. In response, Paul took his audience that day to explore creation-based evidence for a creator. Now, some say it's taking an easy way out to say God started it all going. They say that's no explanation at all. But what they fail to understand is that all explanations have to come to an end somewhere. Do we not have two alternatives here? Either in the beginning God or in the beginning a sea of energy and elementary particles? If you think the last suggestion is more satisfying and more rigorous than the first, I suggest you try asking a thoughtful scientist, what is energy? There's no easy answer to that. So in their attempt to deny answers, which are in terms of things that can't fully be understood by us, they are actually doing the very same thing themselves. The United Kingdom's Professor Richard Dawkins is a modern disciple of Epicurus, being himself a materialist. What does he believe? He's on record as saying there's no God, no evil, just blind, pitiless indifference. But in my opinion, He's recently demonstrated that not even he can live with that unlivable philosophy which he enthusiastically tries to spread. For in 2010, we had the first ever state visit of a Pope to Britain. Writing in the new Humanist magazine, Dawkins told the Pope he was not welcome. He described the Catholic Church's attitudes towards women and sex as inhumane and immoral. From his point of view, I think I can understand the inhumane bit, but when he labels anything at all as being immoral, it appears he's affirming what he's previously denied when he declared there was no God, no evil, and so no objective morality. One of his previous colleagues at Oxford, also an atheist, conceded there was a logical path from belief in absolute morality to belief in the existence of God try to remember this. Whenever you feel yourself to be full of moral indignation expressed against some outrage, that's not consistent with atheism, but it's consistent with the reality of the existence of God. But let's round up today with a historical, biblical example of a denial which affirmed the very opposite was in fact true. It's when Matthew, in the last chapter of his Gospel, records details about the weekend Jesus Christ died at Jerusalem, including how Jesus' empty tomb was to be explained. The guard reported to the chief priests all that had happened, and when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. That's Matthew chapter 28, verse 11 to 15. But their denial only helps to affirm the opposite. Because it shows that even Christianity's enemies conceded that the tomb was in fact empty. Christianity is in a unique position in that it stands or falls on just one testable historic fact, the resurrection of Christ, which historians and lawyers have called the best attested fact in all of history. As the Apostle Paul said, if Christ has not been raised, our faith is worthless. But equally, if Christ has been raised, then everything the Bible claims for him is true, and in particular this. Therefore, Acts 17 verse 30 says, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead.
0: Now, by way of reminder, there's a transcript booklet containing all the talks in this series, so if you'd like one, please let us know and ask for the title Hope for Humanity. And if you've a pen and paper to hand, I'll give you our contact details so you can make a note. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Boyle, and Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by audio MP3 versions, podcasts, if you like. So if you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com you can browse the list of previous talks, which you'll see has been categorised to help you find what you're looking for. And also look out for Search for Truth featuring on www.twr360.org. We're excited that this will give you yet another excellent method of accessing again what you first heard on the radio. So that's all we have for today. Hope you enjoyed it and thanks again for the privilege of your company. Please join us if you can next week for another message of hope. Until then, very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers and me, John. Goodbye and may God richly bless you.